Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. So I had the, the pleasure of being on an airplane recently, which I haven't got to do in quite a while, and it was wonderful. And I put on my headphones, and uh, it's one of the, the few times I got to sit back and just kind of listen to some music for a while. And I bought myself a nice pair of headphones because I'm a little bit more of an audiophile these days. It's all we got is listening to music. I don't get to jam away the hit the lights and the hit the buttons the way I used to. So I'm just uh, actually listening to the music now instead of trying to figure out which color goes with it. And something interesting happened the other day. I was listening to Donovan Frankenreiter song, Call Me Papa, which I've listened to a hundred times. I've been, I've seen him in concert. My wife is a huge fan. And I was just, I had my eyes closed. I had finished my, my meditation earlier and I was very focused and I was put on my music. And at the very top of Call Me Papa, there is what appears to be the sound of his daughter's voice. And then the, then the verse guitar solo, she goes, she's like, she's like, dad, or it, it's just a, it's a very subtle, it's like a breath. It's, it, it's very recognizable that it's a, it's a little girl's breath, but, but it, I had never heard it before. And when I heard it, I'm like, Oh my God, I, it's like this song has all brand new meaning. Like I'd always got the idea, but I never realized that he was singing to his own daughter and like that she was actually part of the recording process. And it kind of made me think about how much attention to detail we put into music and into lighting and every single cue. And I feel proud and I feel like that's what sets apart the, the really wonderful epic designers from, the, from everybody else. But at the same time, I'm also a concert goer. And if that's been in there the whole time, I've never heard it before. Was I too drunk? Was I intoxicated? Did I, and I just missed it for all these years. And so it made me want to have a conversation with somebody else in the industry about attention to detail and why it matters. And, and, God, and I hope it does matter. So I, I've reached out to a new friend. I have been following her on Instagram for a while, and I, I think she's going to have some interesting stuff to, to share with us on this one. Her name is Megan Alksninis, and she is a lighting designer for Megrose Designs out of Boston, Massachusetts. Thank you so much for joining me, Megan. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. This is my unique way of be, being able to reach out to the people that I would normally get to hang out with at a, at a festival or you know, you roll up to a console and some of those, those are the times where you just know in the first five seconds, you're like, today's going to be a good day. I, I can already tell. I know I miss talking to people about lights and just generally being excited about what I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to have hope and optimism. Those are it's wonderful. coming back. 
I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I talked to a lot of people and I'm actually getting a lot of people saying like, yeah, I just went to a, sh a show site and I did a, a site survey and there's like a 90% chance that show is going to happen. And it, it's exciting. I hear a lot of buzz and hopefully everyone's schedules can work. Cause I, I just want to see everyone. I want to see all my friends. Oh, I just want to go to a festival where you just run into like seven of your friends and, and you, you didn't even know it. Like somehow you, you, you know, you've been working like five in a row and then you just saw this festival and you're like, and then you roll up and you go to the front of the house and you're like, Oh my God, thank God. Megan is here. This is going to be a great day. Yeah. No, no complaining. Oh, I miss that. So let's get right into it. One of the things that when I roll up to a console and I see that somebody has at least, let's say a festival and somebody has at least done their presets or they, and they have a, like a well laid out patch sheet or just these tiny little details. Like I can tell in the first couple seconds that if it's going to be a good day or a bad day, like if, 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 if the, if the patch sheet is all crumply and it's, you know, and they're, they're like, as soon as they hand it to you, they're like, oh, so there's been some changes, you know, we, we haven't changed that. And I know they're like, oh man, do you, do you, do you pay attention to those same details? Of course, uh, I would be lying if I said I didn't get a little bummed out when you, when you get a random piece of paper that they pick up off the floor, like, oh, this, this has some of the fixture names on it. And you're like, oh, okay, uh, I mean, it, it's not the end of the world, but it does add a lot of time to the day. And especially if you're the only person on the crew that's doing lighting, it can just derail the day by 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you're trying to figure out somebody else's writing. So it does make me very, very happy when you see a nice laminated sheet or just a printed out sheet. This is the fixture. This is the address universe. It's important. Uh, you just know that you're going to be able to just sit there with the piece of paper and not have them barking things over your shoulder. Like, oh, so the, we changed the mode on those two weeks ago. And you're like, shoot, because I already pre-vised this. And now I got to, you know, my my palettes aren't going to transfer over because of that. That's a bummer. Yeah. No, I take it back. I think the worst is when uh, the band is trying to sound check and they're like, Oh no, no, I'll, I'll just tell you it. Like we don't have it written down. Let me just yell you, the fixtures to you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you just have a profile again? Important? No, no. I'll just tell you how to, how to build the profile for the, yeah. the, the, the Chinatown 300 beam LX. Yeah. I mean, that is how I gauge how my day is going to go. Where are the lights from? Okay. Well, it's going to be a little difficult, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get them working. So once you have patched your console and you start getting to it, I would, I, some of your bands, I would imagine you get some time to rehearse, but I was looking over some of the, I would, I wouldn't imagine you get, you know, a month to rehearse and put together a show very often. No, not often. Uh, the I usually have time to rehearse with Newfound Glory because okay. they want the rehearsals themselves. So we'll go to Nashville for a couple of days and it'll be like two or three days. I'll usually have most of my show done by then because of who I am and I just like to be prepared. Um, but yeah, uh, other acts like Atreyu, they're in California and I'm in Boston. So we don't usually have the time. They usually want to start out in California and don't 
have the time before or the expense to bring me out and rent a venue and do some rehearsals. So we'll just try to get in there the day of the first show really early, have a lot of time to set up. And then that's when I sit down with my show that's already programmed. I sit down with the singer and we go through everything and anything that jumps out as a concern we work on. And then the shows just get better and better going on from there. But it's not usually a lot of rehearsal time. That's why I often will pre-vis my show just so I have a starting base and I'm not running around crazy on the first day. Right on. Okay. So I was going to get to this one later, but that was a perfect segue into one of the questions that is burning. And I, and I get this question fairly often. Do you feel like you're taken advantage of when you start putting in free previs time? This is a three-part question. Do you feel taken advantage of when you do it? Number two, do you just feel like that's your art and, and like that's your representation of what you do? And three, do you think that you should build that into your design fee or, or do you think that's just part of the whole thing? Like, well, so that's a difficult, yeah, it's a difficult, difficult question because it can vary depending on the artist and who you're working with. I try to bill it into my design. So okay. I'll ask, I'll ask for one or two days before the tour starts where I'm getting paid that I can create the entire show file. So we go into having a show. Now that's not always feasible for artists. Sometimes they really just don't have the money. So in that case, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> I, it's like, you, you don't, it's tough because you don't want <laughs> to, deval- you don't want to devalue yourself, but if it comes down to, they're just not going to pay for it at all then I have to do it for my own work ethic because I, 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 w- I would never want to walk into a show where I would compromise the show because I was not prepared. So right. it's, very, it's very important for me to have it ready. But more often than not, everyone has been super understanding and they know, hey, we're not going to have rehearsals. We want the show ready to go. We just have to pay for these extra days, one person. It's, yeah. it's never been a crazy issue. I think it's important no matter what. I, I am with you on that one. I can't tell you how many times at, when I'm the luckiest, I'll, I'll get like a day of pre-production and it's, I never stop at a day. Like if I have five days available, I'm going to pre for five days and I'm going to walk it with a full show file and, and, and update some presets, you know? Yeah, a lot of people think I'm crazy because I used to work uh, full-time for JDI Productions, which is a small touring house in Cranston, Rhode Island. Okay. They, they provided the lighting packages for both Atreyu and Newfound. So they just know, like, the week before that gear goes out, I'm just there, always. Like, <laughs> they, they go home, I'm just sitting in, like, the back warehouse with the lights off. Like, I will set up my entire rig. Well, I'll previs first and then I'll set up the entire rig, make sure everything works before it goes out and then run through everything. I've oh, I've been there. I've spent so much of my life there, <laughs> but it makes me feel better. I know the show is going to be what I want it to, want it to be. So on oh, top of previsiting, you're actually getting some venue uh, with air quotes. You're getting some venue time yeah. on top of that. Because like you probably know, previs does not always translate to what it's no, going to be. No, no. <laughs> I've had 
very, uh, let's say the first Atreyu tour I did, I had about a hundred emails back and forth with Brandon the singer, sending him videos, him sending me what he wants. And he was like, I'm not sure this is like what I want. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is a rough idea of what it's gonna look like, but just wait till you see the actual lights. It's gonna be magical, I promise. And he was comforted when he saw the first show. Nice, that's cool. Okay, so you and I just, we kind of went over the, the reasons why you and I do it. We do it for ourselves. We do the previs and we do the, because we love making lights blink and that's our passion and because mm -hmm. we're total geeks and artists at the same time. I think what I am I'm, I'm afraid of is that after the third or fourth tour, they're just going to be like, yeah, we don't pay Megan to design fee. She just does it. And then, then I start to, I start to worry, like, what did I just give away? Yeah. If they're not able to pay from the beginning and you do it, it you kind of fall into that pattern yeah. where, but on the flip side, I don't think a tray you paid me the first time and then they saw how dedicated and how much work ethic I put in and they were like, oh yeah, that's no problem. We'll give you a day extra to do that. We want the show to be as good as it has been. Oh, that's cool. It's kind of a leverage point in there because you're like, well, I want to do this again, but it's not possible unless I have this time to do it. That's a success story if I've ever heard one. I mean, that's what we're yeah. hoping for, right? <laughs> We're hoping can, that yeah. we get noticed. We're like, oh, we're hoping that somebody is going to be like, oh man, you're really far ahead of the other LD who didn't do that before you. Like, how did you do that? I know. Well, you just, you have to care. You have to really love what you do and care about the work. Because I've heard stories from artists like, oh, well, like the LD didn't really know the music or they, they didn't do a lot of this stuff. I didn't catch this stuff. And I'm like, I, it just depends on how much you put into it, how much you work with the artist, how much you understand their music and what they're trying to convey. Yeah, absolutely. With Atreyu, it sounds like it's kind of a, a collaboration. Do you have any artists that are just, Megan, we hired you to do what you do. Just go do whatever it is you do. Yeah, that is definitely Newfound Glory. Yeah? Yeah, I think, yeah, a couple other artists have like, Amity Affliction, they just told me what they don't like. More often than not, artists will tell me, I don't like this. And okay. then you do, the sh you, you do the show and then you you learn to avoid the things that they don't like, whether it's if it's too bright front light, you know to stay away from it. But both experiences I enjoy. I really like collaborating with an artist because it takes you, the designer, to places that you never thought about it kind of mm -hmm. opens your mind to other ideas and ways to do stuff and then sometimes when you do the show completely on your own there's a different sense of pride like I created this entire thing and it's great you enjoy the show it is okay so it when you can. have when you have carte blanche and it's it's all up to you do you go through and do you take the time to like emphasize every hit and make sure that every single focus is balls on accurate. I mean, when it, when it's all you, how much attention to detail do you get to really embrace? I would say either way, I try to embrace 
as much as I can without it being overwhelming because okay. lights, lights can easily be overwhelming. Yes. Like audiences aren't like, so, no offense to my own profession, but audiences aren't necessarily there to see the lights. They're there to see the artist and the lights around them should emphasize it without being too insane. Like if it's strobing the entire time and there's, there's lights moving, you don't know what's going on. It's not, it's not a good look. But if you subtly accent different hits in the music, then it can really elevate the experience. Absolutely. When you're doing this stuff, are you kind of doing it for your own self? Do you want to make sure that you get to watch the, the best show possible? Or are you kind of like thinking about the drunks in the back too? Like, hey, they deserve a perfect show, whether they know it or not. Oh, they do. They definitely do. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely hard on myself. So if I will try to do the best show possible every night, I don't usually use time code. It's more of a sense of pride. I love running the lights in time with the music and I want the show to be, it doesn't matter where we are. The show needs to be the best it can be every night. I don't care if everyone in the crowd is drunk, they're still having a good time. That's the best part. You know, you see how happy they are and then it makes me happy. So when you make a mistake, how do you take notes for that? Do you just do a mental note or does it hit you so hard? You're like, I have to fix that tomorrow. Usually I'll make a mental note during the show because I don't necessarily have a paper to write it down or I don't want to look at my phone. But after the show's over, I'll write down anything that is major that I'm concerned with that needs to be fixed if it's something wrong specifically in like the show file. Okay. And then usually when I'm focusing the next day, I'll try to look at it. I don't okay. like to make the same mistake twice. I don't usually do. So. I have this thing where like I, I sometimes I'll, I'll make a mistake and I'll it'll hit me. I'll be like, I'm definitely going to remember to fix that tomorrow. And then I won't write it down because I'm positive I'm going to remember it. And then I don't remember. I'm like, oh, that was, that, that, that's it right there. That's the, I forgot to update that random strobe. No, it's okay. That's the nature of touring. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of information in your brain at once. You, you tend to have to write things down to remember. Yeah. Do you beat yourself up more than others do when it comes to mistakes? I would say yes. It's not a great quality. Uh, I do take it personal, personal because I love the show so much. And this is like all I've been working for, especially like when you're really deep into a show, it's like all consuming sometimes. I tend to not let it affect me more than the length of the, sh like I don't let it affect me during the show because then it will just ruin the entire show. So if I make a mistake, you need to move on, complete the show. And then I'll usually spend the night thinking about why, why did it happen and how to avoid it? <laughs> yeah, I, in, my I, younger, yeah. In my younger days, I used to go have that conversation with the, with Captain Morgan and he would let me know how, how much, how, how terrible I was at my job. <laughs> and I had to fight with him a bit. Oh yeah. No, the, the worst is now when artists are on the bus watching the show after the show ends and you're like, Oh no. Especially if there's like a part that, you know, maybe didn't look the way it should have. You're like, oh no, he's watching that part. Okay. 
and then they say it's fine and you're like oh okay why am i freaking out oh my god you you're very wise i'm the worst at going like how did did you not see where i messed that up and they're like no we didn't see you messed that up thanks for pointing that out chris you dumbass you cannot let them know you just internalize (laughs) it (laughs) you must have learned that before i did i still i'm still mad at that i'm better Um, i'm better we take it personal it's our art yeah it's 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 tougher too because like when i was younger and i was in like my theater days like there would be like one camera and they would watch it from like the the professional photographer's angle or the professional you know the the archive cam now the artists are watching it from the fifth row drunkards shaky cam on youtube and you're like oh man thankfully iphone quality has gotten better yes but but still, it's not the same. No. Yeah, we're not lighting for just uh, the human eyes anymore. We're lighting for everybody's freaking freaking phone, iPhone. man. Yeah. If you go on Instagram, that's where you'll see. Just follow the tag and you'll see all the videos from the show. I, I tend to look at it because I want to see how things are translating through the phone. Because yeah. unfortunately, you are lighting for that phone. I've also yeah. done... Uh, I did some drive-in shows in the summer where they had like the big iMag screens and everything. And I I was watching the screen. I'm like, this is not good. I gotta watch the show. (laughs) But you tend to like see like, oh, is it it working? Is it translating? It could just be an issue with the camera. Like there's a lot of variables now. That's a tough one because you're positive that, you know, more than 50% of the audience is also watching the iMag. Yeah. You know, I'm, they may take their eyes off their phone or the iMag for a few minutes to look down at the actual artist, but you know, unless you're in the first 10 rows, you're, you're pretty much watching the iMag. Yep. It's a lot of things to take into consideration where you Would focus you, life. <laughs> yeah. Would you consider yourself by any means a perfectionist? Uh, I would say Yes, in terms of I do have that attention to detail and I want it to be the best show possible. But at a certain point, I have to draw the line mentally to where it's not helping the show. Okay. So if, I, if I've exhausted everything I can do and the show looks the best it can possible, then it's time to move on and work on something else. Because if you don't, then you just get derailed and you're stuck wasting too much time on one thing. Can turn programming right. into like 12 hours into 24 hours. Yeah. Which is why we end up pre-visiting for five days because we're glutton for punishment. True. But if it's just me, I'm okay spending that time because it's my time. It's what I'm doing. It's what I love. But when I'm with the artists, I try to be as, as organized as possible, show them what they want to see, what they need, not waste too much time of their time. Have you ever been paying so much attention to detail and trying to fix so many things that you've ever asked for doors to be held so that you can keep programming? It's a good question. I think if it's happened, it's only happened once or twice and it's been the first day of tour. Okay. Because that 
when you're first setting up a rig, it's already automatically going to take a little bit more time. And then you try to go through everything you previs. And if you didn't have access to the lights before you previs, then it could things you can have to fix more things you would than on a normal tour day. Okay. So I'd say probably only once or twice. I try not to be that person because you know, nobody wants to wait for someone else. You're right. It's weird though, because uh, some of the designers that I've worked with, they even. Like I've seen them take pride in the fact that they're like, Hey, look, the lighting's not ready. We need to hold the doors and you should do it. And then the artist would be like, Oh, he's really paying attention to detail on this one. He's so demanding. And it, I, I just don't know if I'm not at that level or if I just can't, if I'm just, if I don't have the personality to pull that off, but I've seen designers pull that off. And like, what just happened here? I've always had the opposite reaction. Anytime that somebody takes too long, people tend to question, why is it taking so long? Yeah. I've had uh, other LDs when I first started out tell me that you should have your show dialed. It should not take you too long. It should not take you more than a couple hours to completely clone and merge fixtures into your show and be ready. If it does, then maybe you need to reevaluate the way you're doing things and the efficiency and how you program your show. So I, I don't, you never want to be too fast and not care and let details fall through the crack, but you should have it down to a science at a certain point. Like once you're two weeks into a tour, it should be pretty good to go. All right. So do you think that musicians can get away with that more than technicians and designers. And I'll give you a quick, a quick example. Like I've had artists who have seriously recorded or just rehearsed the same chorus over 30 times. And I'm not a musician. I'm a, a music enthusiast, but like they rehearsed it 30 times. And I cannot tell you the difference to the point that the, the artist would just go like, yeah, we're holding the doors. They can't get this course. I'm like, we have, we, we're a hundred shows into this tour. And if you don't think they can get it by now, they, they're not going to, I don't know what you're hoping for, but you're going to hold doors for a chorus that doesn't sound any different to me. So what's the difference? Why can they pull that off? And why can't we? Because people are there to see them. Yeah. yeah you're right. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm also not a musician so i can't tell you how it feels to play it could just be it needs to feel right for them to be able to mentally get into that space to do the best show possible and i'm sure some audio engineers would understand it more but i'm on the same page sometimes i'm to me it doesn't sound different but if it sounds different to the artist then we have to support them the people around them just have to support them yeah. 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 They're definitely not there to see us no matter how, no matter what we think, no matter how much we, we like to think that uh, our, our friends or any of the people are there to see the lighting, they're, they're just not, it's, it's, no. a, it's a tough thing that we all have to learn pretty quickly. It's okay. I like being in the shadows. I wear all black when I'm not working. <laughs> I need to work on that. What's your longest sit down programming time? Like, have you ever been at the console for more than 13 hours? 
13. Um, no, probably I, mental breaks are really important to me because you need them to get clarity. If you're just focused on one thing for too long, it's diminishing returns. You're not going to be able to see it with fresh eyes. So I've definitely spent probably like eight hours programming, taking like breaks for lunch and snacks. Probably eight is the longest I've done, but you need to have that time away to be able to come back to it and see it again. And maybe you don't like what you did the past, the last two out of the eight hours and you need to redo it. It's important to get breaks. That's very healthy. Good on you. That's uh, that's refreshing to hear. Eight hours with breaks. That's a, that's a full work day. If you can't get it done in that amount of time, then you need to request. You need to question what you're doing, or your, at least your process. Yeah, I, it, it depends on the artist. I was, yeah, and it depends on how many songs they would have in a tour. But I usually would be like one hour per song to program. Okay, and it's it's not terrible. I that is the attention to detail and it can take longer. It depends. You know, if you're blocked, you're just staring at the console and you're like, I don't know what to do, but yeah, it'll come all the other colors. I don't know what to do here. Uh, Denver chase. No, but yeah, <laughs> a lot of times when I'll pre this, I'll just go into UJDI when they do their nine to five and just hang out there for that amount of time. And then it, it gives me that good mental block in my head. Like, all right, we're here. We're here nine to five. We're going to program the show. We're done. Cool. It sounds like you have a fairly healthy realization that rock and roll is design is imperfect by design. I mean, it sounds like you you're aware of that, even though you do, or even though you're a self proclaimed perfectionist. Yes. I chose rock and roll. I thought I wanted to do theater for the longest time. And then I, I worked off Broadway and I realized how, everyone was just really mean it, like everything had to be so precise and if it wasn't it was the end of the world and I was like maybe this isn't for me and I started uh working for some production companies and doing just rock and roll shows where it was like yeah you know I made a mistake on the lights but it ended up working in my favor and it still looks cool the audience didn't know I just I like the messiness you can be messy within reason and not jeopardize a show. Oh, that's a really good, I mean, you kind of just perfectly described the paradox there. Like, yes, you should pay attention to all the details. No, you shouldn't sweat them. Yes. You know, sometimes the biggest mistakes can lead to a new discovery, especially like wind programming too. When I program with Brandon from Atreyu, He's telling me something he wants, but I make a mistake in trying to make an effect. And he's like, oh no, stop. I like that even better than what I was thinking. And it's just a mistake can turn into something very, very beautiful. So outside of your work, are you a concert goer as well? Not so much anymore. I okay. feel like I was when I was younger. I'm more into theater. I see a lot okay. of Broadway shows. Good, good, good. That's a good, uh, that's a good break. I would imagine you can bring some inspiration over. True. Yeah. It depends on the show. Yeah. That's yeah. where it all started for me. The first Broadway show I saw was when I was 16. As soon as the lights came up, I was like, yep, nope, this is it. 
the, I, how I'm feeling right now is how I want to make other people feel because this is amazing. That's cool. That's really cool. Do you think that if there was a mistake made in a performance, would you be the one to notice? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I mean, talk to any production person. Do they necessarily enjoy seeing shows? Because I do enjoy seeing shows, but I notice everything. I notice every light they have, what they're doing. I can't even watch filmed things on TV, like filmed concerts. I can watch them and I enjoy them, but it's hard to get into it sometimes because you're just looking at the lights. I still enjoy Yeah, that was a... Uh... That was a discussion my wife and I had for the, at least the first year of our of us being together. She's like, are you enjoying this show? I'm like, because you're not watching the show. You're just looking up at the tr trust. I'm like, yeah, I'm enjoying this. This is awesome. This is, look at all this cool stuff. Yeah, I've had people ask me like, oh, do you watch the artists or do you watch the lights? And I was like, mm, I watch the lights. 80% yeah. of the time I watch the lights. I'm sorry. I can't help it. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I would never tell anybody that, like, I noticed the mistakes. Like, I would never be the guy to go like, "Hey, you really blew the, the song, the third song there, didn't you?" But at the same time, like, I would, I would sit there and even no, no matter how drunk I am, I'd be like, "Oh, that's uh, really fucked that one up." I'd, I'd, I'd say it quietly to my in my head. Yeah, I would never tell another artist, especially if they knew if it. If it was like something that they didn't know was happening, it'd be nice. But some we all have those mistakes in shows. Like you never want to be called out on it. So I just, I let it pass. And I, I would never judge somebody on like a small mistakes in a show like that because you never know the circumstance. Like, did they have time to program today? Like, what was their day like? So. What was the and last theater show you went to? Ooh, last theater show. Mm, I think it was last show. Oh, well, the last theater show I saw was Beetlejuice on Broadway in nice. 2019. I had an off day in Secaucus. So, of course, I went to the city. And then the last show I saw, I couldn't tell you. Could not tell you. <sighs> How weird is that? It's <sighs> weird. That's tough. That's tough. It's a, I know it's it's really sad, especially the last show that I was not working. I I don't know. I don't know. I know I, the one the last memorable one was probably the 1975 at House of Blues Boston. That was in 2017. Okay. They're known I, for I a good show. It. Yeah. No, they had a very cool show. I like those uh, all immersive shows that are not crazy with design, but feel very like you're in the production. It's cool. In the ones where you have your designer hat on and you're the designer, do you get any say on the band's performance? Like, let's say the drum riser, let's say they like the drum riser to be center and you're like, could the drum could the drum riser be like three feet off to the left? Cause it would look really cool or vice versa. Like the drum center, the, the drummer likes being off center and you're like, can we move you center? Have you ever been in a position where you have that sort of sway where you could actually command the performance? Not yet. 
uh, everyone I've worked with so far has clearly had a plan for their production and they've known what they've wanted to do. I, we've tried before to have different designs with an artist and they were just like, no, this isn't gonna work for us. You just have to try something else. But I try to let them set up where they're gonna be most comfortable and then design the best I can around them. Okay. Because I, yeah, not, not, it hasn't happened yet, but that would be awesome to see, completely I, help design the show. See, that makes perfect sense to me that you and I should not have that amount of pull, but I've seen it. I've seen it where they're like, no, sorry, the drum kit can't go there because my lights are there. And they'll, I've seen bands move the drum kit based on, you know, where a, a VL3500 is that uplights the lead singer. And he's like, yeah, we can't, there's nothing we can do. And, and the drummer can protest all he wants, but the designer is like, no, there's a VL3500 there. You can't put the drum kit there. And I don't know how, I don't know what sway you have to have to make that happen. That's very interesting because I've definitely been into venues that are smaller than we expect. And suddenly you can't put your lights down because the equipment needs to go there. I don't, it's very humbling because part of you is like, oh no, I need my lights. I need to do my show. But at the same time, you should be able to move your lights a little bit and adapt the show to what's going to be best for the artist mm -hmm. and their overall show. Right. I, I don't think I would ever be in the position where it, I would have to know the circumstance, but for it to be like, oh no, lights over artists or over instrument placement. That just seems weird. I can tell you in 25 years in the industry, I haven't, I haven't been in that situation, not one time, but I've seen it happen with other designers and it blows me. It blows my mind when I see it. every time I, I don't know what motivates them to make that claim, even in the first place. Like, no, you can't, that light, so the light's already there. The light is immovable. Like what? what? I've never been in that, in that, no. But I've definitely been, been on the flip side of you need to move your light. Okay. <laughs> I'll make it work. And they're like, wow, you made it work. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, lights can move. It's fine. Yeah. Inevitably, that leads to the situation where you're, the, the whole tour is in like these 4,000 seat venues and then you go into a 2,000 or a 1,000 seat venue and they're like, oh, it's going to be a so much smaller venue. It's going to be so much easier for you. No, it's going to be harder. I like more space. Yeah, it's very tricky. I, it's good for your brain because it keeps you on edge and you need to, it's every day is something new. I I've done a tour recently like that where I couldn't even make looms because the sizes of the rooms were so different and I had to completely put lights in different places. So it was, it was a good experiment of, all right, well, how do I design this show from scratch every day? Not the programming that I can translate enough, but like the physical placement of lights, like, all right, well, got to put them there now. It was honestly, I think it makes you a better you're not really designing at that point. You kind of are, but I think it makes you a better tech, better overall lighting person because you can yeah. understand how to adapt without getting frustrated and still making the show happen. 
Uh, one of my one of my favorite designers, Rob Gibson. He was well known for you know, oh, that was a truss, that was an upstage truss. Now it's my floor package. Like, oh, brilliant! There you go. Sometimes you need to be able to adapt that way, and it really sets you apart from other people if you can do it without getting frustrated. The the hardest is when it, when you. One day you can fit an even amount of fixtures and then the next day you can only fit an odd amount of fixtures and you're like, oh, now what I'm going to do? You're going to rocking asymmetrical today. <laughs> Exciting. Okay, speaking of attention to detail, let's say you have a perfectly symmetrical truss. You've got laser accurate beams. You go to the, the third song and the second fixture from stage left goes out. It, it just lamps off and there's nothing you can do. Are you the sort that will just rock with it? Or are you going to lamp off the stage right counterpart? Oh, I'm going to hundred percent lamp off the stage right counterpart. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. can't do it. No, it's, you know, or I'll at least turn it off until I can figure out if it's blown a lamp or if it just needs to be lamps back on. But yeah, no, it, take it out. Yeah. It's going to throw me off. That's how I, if I don't lamp off its counterpart, I'm going to stare at it the whole show. Yep. Are you the same? Oh yes. Oh yes. It's the worst, especially if it's only you on a tour because you can't do much about it. Like when things go wrong, oh, so many times I've had to run from front of house and fix things. It keeps you on your toes. Like through the audience or like through like a oh, snake passage? No, through the audience. It's happened before. Uh, one time it happened on Amity. We had cryo and everything worked until we got to the show. Something got unplugged and I went to go do the first hit. Nothing happened. I looked at my front of house uh, and I was like, okay, you see this button here? Just press that until I come back. I'll be right back. And I just ran as fast as I could through the audience, like sold out audience, ran up to the stage, plugged it back in, bolted back, got back before the chorus was over. It was fine. And they worked next time. And that's not the first time that's happened. It's happened probably five times. I've had DMX get unplugged during the show. What else? There's definitely been at least a handful of stories where I've just had a, I've not had a bolt or you start, I'll start texting like the guitar tech. Like, Can you do this, please? It happens. <laughs> and how sort of, how polite are you when you're busting it through the audience? Are you like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Or are you just like elbow coming through? There is no room for politeness. I'll go back and apologize <laughs> later, <laughs> but it's, like there is no scenario where the band stops playing and the lights are moving like that cannot happen. So I need to be back in time for that. So it's, it's a lot of, I'll say, excuse me, probably, but they're not going to hear me. I'm going so fast. <laughs> Sometimes you who, just who was that girl? <laughs> Sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Peace, love, get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> I got an emergency. You don't see that. <laughs> they usually have no idea it's just me yeah you can't tell that i'm working right now just because i look just like you does not mean i'm, I'm working I, i've got this radio and this flashlight and i'm 
No. Yeah. And it, you know, sometimes it's not noticeable, but one time half of the rig got unplugged and it stayed in the last color, which was red. And the next song was green. And I'm like, no, we cannot have Christmas going on. <laughs> I was like, if I tell anybody on stage how to fix it, it's, it's going to take too long because they don't necessarily know how everything's plugged in or where the issue could be. I know relatively like the two issues where it could be. So I'm going. <laughs> Oh, I can only imagine that that has to happen at least a dozen times before anybody's going to be like, yo, Meg, we should really get you a, a technician. They won't. They probably won't. I've done it like in front of the artist too. Cause sometimes like the downstage edge will have lights and I'm just there. And they're like looking down, like, why are you here? Why <laughs> are you here? And I'm avoiding Christmas for you right now. Yep. I just give them a little wave and then I run back. One time I did have like an, an underground tunnel to go through. That made it a little bit easier. But it happens at least once a tour. If I don't have a tech, it happens once a tour. Yeah, see that's, uh, so now we just touched on one, one thing that I think is, why should you pay so much attention to detail if they're not willing to? And, and I'm not pointing out anybody in particular, but you know, if they're not, not gonna give you the tools necessary to get a perfect show, you know, like good on you. I mean, a hundred percent, I would totally in your situation, I would do exactly the same thing, but at the same time, like you're, you're set up to fail by not having a technician on the, you know, you're, it, those are good. That's going to happen. And it's, it's, it's going to be, it sounds like you're willing to take every step necessary to fix that. But at the same time, a, a lesser LD could just sit out front of the house. And I'm like, yeah, I, what do you want me to do? Walk away from the console. And I've seen that happen too, before where LDs, that don't necessarily have a certain type of training, don't know what went wrong and they don't really know how to fix it. Uh, but I, I'm always gonna do the best I can. There's nothing, yeah, there's nothing I can do. I would not change it. If, they're not, if I'm the only person out there, then I gotta do the best I can. I yeah. gotta run up to stage and fix the problems. It's okay. Sounds like I it's kinda, in nature. Yeah, I kind of accepted it at this point. It's it's fine. It doesn't bother me because it doesn't happen that often. But you gotta fix it. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. By we're we're roadies by nature. That's what we do. We're gonna if it's broken, we're gonna fix it. Yeah, to the best of my ability to make this show happen, I will do it. So it definitely sounds like you came up through the ranks. It sounds like you were in the shop and then crew chief and then programmer, director, designer. Did you, you came up the long road? Yes and no. It was a little bit of a weird start. So I had uh, first gotten into the industry. Well, I went to college for business and then I didn't use it. Well, it, it applies, but I it didn't get a business. Really it applies. I didn't get a business job though. I started working at a venue in my town, which is the Xfinity Center. It's an amphitheater. Uh, I started working with IATSE as a stagehand, pushing boxes, doing everything. And I enjoyed that for a solid year or so. And then I didn't like how I was spoken to. I mean, roadies, depending on how bad of a day they can be, other people that work in the industry cannot be nice. And I understand that. I've worked with some stagehands where they're brand new. They don't necessarily know what's going on. And it can be 
frustrating if you had personally had a bad day. But it decided not to be for me. So I started working at JDI Productions and they told me two years until I'd be able to tour, until I would have the necessary knowledge. And I worked there for a year and one of the LDs had an emergency and had to leave a tour. And they were like, okay, you can go, bye. And I was like, what? I'm just gonna go? Okay, all right. So I finished out the two weeks of a East Coast tour in a van. And that was like diving right into like, hey, you want a tour? This is it. And it was all history from there. After that tour, I just kind of took off. You know, I tried to do everything I could to learn and be better at what I did. And I slowly got more and more tours through JDI. Uh, a lot of people would come and if they couldn't get a specific LD I would go out with them and it led me to building these relationships that I had with Newfound Glory and Atreyu those were all from other LDs who couldn't do them at the time and I kind of just built myself up that way nice the, I didn't have to do too much dissuade you at all you're like this is this is my jam I mean it should have no it was fine <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, cool. Gonna do this shit. That was that was tough mentally because I wasn't as prepared as I should be. I knew how to run a console and the show file was already there. I knew how to do everything, but just being comfortable with live music and being right on with your timing, listening to a click track, it was just a lot of new stuff at once. It was it was a lot. I think it was okay though. It was it was fine. It is a lot. That's uh, that's baptism by fire right there. Just tossed into somebody else's show file. At least if you build your show file, at least you know what's going on there. You have no, you had no idea what was going to happen each time you hit the go button. You're just winging it. That's true. Yeah, it can be crazy. Uh, thankfully, the guy whose show file it was, his name's Cody James. He had taught me a lot about lights. So I kind of understood how his brain worked and how he set up his file. And I was able to figure it out from there. And I ended up doing another tour for him, Motionless and White, who he had worked with before and he had the show file. So I was like, nope, all right, this time I took his show file and I took all of their live videos because they were continuing a tour. And I just, I ran the show for hours on end. I ran the show. That was like the easiest tour I ever walked into because I knew every single, just watched the live show and I ran it. But it can be super difficult to, uh, walk up to somebody's console and know how their brain works mm -hmm. the same way of like looking at how somebody creates a rig or how they create their looms mm -hmm. can tell you a lot about a person. That's actually a very interesting question. Do you put the same attention to detail into your crew chief work as you do into your design stuff? Like are your, are your Excel sheets like perfectly laid out? I try to, yeah. I try to have everything because it only helps you in the end. Nobody wants to be flustered the day of a show or before a show. You have to. What about your looms? Oh, they're crazy. They're crazy color-coded. Yeah? I, oh, of course, yeah. Especially if it's just me on a show because the more time you take to explain to people that are helping you that day, the more it's just going to take time. So if I can briefly tell them, 
and make it easy for them, then it'll, it'll go a lot faster. So I will color code everything and label them. So they can pick up two ends and know that they're labeled the same and that they go together. Nice. I, I like to make it easy for people because I don't want to have a hard day either. It almost sounds like arts and crafts time. You're just like, yeah, everybody, we're making making looms today. Here we go. Those are the red, those are the purple. and It's honestly the most enjoyable for me, especially when you don't have to do it on a show. That's That can be tough when you have to do it the first day of a show, build your looms. Oh, yeah. But if I, if I have time in the shop to prep looms, then it's it's almost like therapy. You just put on some music and you just, you know, taping along, making everything look pretty. Make your life easy. That sounds peaceful. I, th- I feel like we would be uh, we would good we'd be good shop prep buddies. That sounds very peaceful. It sounds like we're we're gonna get some scissors. We're gonna we're gonna use the sharpie to with the best of our ability. Do you do, do you print oh, yeah. out or do you do sharpie? I do sharpie usually. Do you have good handwriting? Yeah, to, uh, it's not crazy good, but yeah, no, I try to make it look as neat as possible that anybody could read it upside down regardless yeah i take every color of v-tape the magenta is my favorite nice all right so we are almost out of time but one of the things i want to ask is that you had said you'd said that some people didn't talk to you the way you wanted to be talked to now that you're like in a place of designer director program you have some amount of sway do you do you make sure that everybody is spoken to more uh, politely or respectfully now that you can actually kind of set the tone for your tours? Yeah, 100%, because nobody deserves to ever be made to feel like they're not adequate or don't understand what's going on. The, the fact is, a lot of people are new. A lot of times, if you get somebody helping you for the day who's a stagehand, they could be their first day. So I try to phrase things in ways that don't make them feel inadequate. Like, oh, have you done this before? And if they say yes, good. I don't need to tell you anything. But if not, then I'm more than happy to explain it to you because it's going to help you going forward. And it's going to help me for the rest of the day because you'll know how it goes together. You won't be trying to twist five thin and I have to possibly deal with broken gable later. I just, yeah, I don't want anyone to feel like any questions, stupid, because we were all new. We could just be hired for the day. Let's help each other. It doesn't need to, it's it's not hard. So I will show anyone anything. When it, when it comes to attention to detail, that, that, uh, that question, depending on the amount of intonation, the, when you say, have you done this before? It is a very polite question, but when you, you say it like, have you done this before? Mm-hmm. Then it kind of you put a little stank on it. You're like, then it's just an insult. <laughs> I'll usually start it with, "Hey, I don't mean to be rude. I just want to know, like, have you done this before?" And a lot of times they say no. And I'm like, okay, let me just show you real quick. This is what you do, and yeah. then just repeat the process all the way down, and you're good. No, this is just for extra credit for my theater class. <laughs> I I just I was told I was going to get free tickets if I came down and did the loaded. Like, oh, okay, I can tell. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I just, you know, yeah, it depends on how, if they really have a lot of experience, then they can do other stuff. But sometimes it's just not, I'll tell, I'll explain how to do everything. But if they just don't necessarily understand it, or they might hurt themselves, then sometimes it's not necessary for me to use them. (laughs) 
in a, in a polite way. Like it, it's definitely in a, in a polite way. I don't mean to be rude. I never try to be rude. I always try to remember people's names too, because that means a lot. That is one of the most important details to remember right there. People love when you remember their names. Yeah. Especially if you, if you get in those rare moments where you get the same stage hand on the in and on the out. Yeah. And you remember their name and you can actually call them over that. That's so important. I always like to ask that if they're going to be back for the out, because then if I'm at the console, they can start on stuff right away. I'll just tell them what to start at. Like you, you put this up this morning. You can, you know how it goes together. You can take it apart before I even get up there. Makes it go by faster. Oh, it makes everything so much easier. It, and it's, it's exactly the fact that they remember how it went together. It's so important. I wish, I wish that we could make a law or something. I don't know how that would work. I don't know if that needs to be a federal or a state law, but yeah. we got to work on that. Got to have the same on the in as the out. Oh, the dream. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Megan. This has been uh, very peaceful. I, I'm really glad to hear that there are people out here with, with similar philosophies. I'm so happy we got to chat today. Thank you for having me. 